uh, people all around our area and in your life have or are about to ask this question, what do you want for Christmas? Right, it's that common phrase. What do you want for Christmas this year? In fact, let's have a little fun. Turn to your neighbor and tell them what you are hoping for, what you want for Christmas. So go ahead and do that now, and we'll come up in about 30 seconds. So go ahead and do that quickly. All right. I want to hear uh, a couple of these answers. And gentlemen, you're welcome. I just saved some of you guys the holidays, you know, just because like, yeah, I should probably have asked, you know, so you are welcome. But what's, uh, what's a couple of answers? What do you want for Christmas? Yeah. Yeah. Your family. Love it. Absolutely love it. Somebody else. Snow. Okay, well, Christmas wants snow, not just in October, we actually want it in December. Yeah. A Tesla. I like it. Throw it out there. That's what I, I want that too. A new phone. That's right, in front of God before your parents. I like that. A new phone. I had a little girl that was in last service. She must have been about two years old. She goes, Elsa. I'm like, all right, you know, uh, somebody else said a hippopotamus, and I was like, I didn't get it, and then they had explained it to me afterwards as a song, all I want for Christmas, I don't know. So uh, I can relate, you know, uh, and when it comes to this idea, but there is a movie that has that important question, what do you want for Christmas, and it's a Christmas movie, and I just had to show it to you once again, so go ahead and watch the screen now. What do you want for Christmas, little boy? My mind had gone blank. Frantically, I tried to remember what it was I wanted. I was blowing it, blowing it. Come on, kid. How about a nice uh, football? 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 What's a football? <laughs> Without conscious will, my voice squeaked out. Football. Okay, get him out of here. A football? Oh, no. Okay, what was I doing? Wake up, stupid. Wake up. No. <laughs> You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> I love the boot to the face. That's probably my favorite part. You know, the excitement, the anticipation, you know, the wonder, you know, of the season. I, I can relate. Uh, those of you who have uh, read or have heard about this book called The Five Love Languages understand that there are five primary languages that uh, all of us, you know, love, but there's certain ones that rank higher than others. Like you might be a person who just loves words of affirmation or acts of service or physical touch. You know, for me, it actually is gifts. 
You know, and so I've had a staff person, you know, uh, fairly recently that decided to give me a gift. They said, hey, this is your love language, and they bought me a Washington State Cougar sweatshirt and hat, you know, and uh, they gave that to me, and they said, we love you. Uh, here's our gift from us to you, and I grabbed it, and I said, well, thank you. I just want to politely give that back to you, and then uh, two days later, it showed up in my office somewhere else, you know, and so then I decided to put it in my most important file, my circular one, you know, and uh, it, it, it has been there ever since, and so they looked at me, and they said, hey, Hey, you said gifts is your love language. And I said, let me be very clear. Good gifts are my love language. Good gifts, not just gifts in general. It's like saying, well, you love fruitcake. That's a gift. I'm like, no, that's not a good gift. You know, good gifts are like Gonzaga tickets. They're Seahawk tickets. It's a Tesla. Teslas are good <laughs> gifts. If we're just going to throw that out there, these are good gifts. That is not a good gift. Now I'm going to begin to digress. So in all seriousness, though, I wonder if you've ever thought about asking God during this Christmas season, if you could ask him for one thing, what would it be? See, I threw that question on social media first. What do you want for Christmas? And we had all these kind of fun, you know, kind of engaging conversations like we did now. And then I asked, well, if you could ask God for one thing during this Christmas season, what would you ask for? And the tone and the response was completely different. It was much more serious in nature. Some asked for a cure for a disease, amended relationship, financial freedom, five more minutes with someone that they loved who has passed away, or to stop the pain. See, in the Old Testament, we read about King David, who was overseeing the kingdom of Israel, and he was passing on the kingdom to his son, Solomon. Solomon was young and inexperienced, and, and he had a dream. And in the dream, God comes to him in the dream and literally says, ask me. Ask me for whatever you want now that you're taking over the kingdom as I've put you there. Ask me for whatever you want, and I will give it to you. Can you imagine asking whatever you want of God, the king of the universe who owns it all? What would you ask for? Solomon answers this. He said, God, give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong for who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours. Now, if you know the story of Solomon, I might want to add one more thing that he probably should have asked and the courage to act on that because he knew right and wrong, but his life became a train wreck, you know, because of some of the decisions he made. But what an incredible answer. He could ask for anything and he asked simply for wisdom, for wisdom. Do you realize for just a second that during this Christmas season and beyond, that you and I also have a chance to come to God and to ask him anything, anything. And we ask each other, what do you want for Christmas? He ever said, God, this is what I would like for Christmas to see what he would actually have to say. When I lived in Sacramento, uh, we were there for you know, seven or eight years. Uh, we were gifted a couple tickets to the Sacramento Kings, the NBA basketball team, you know, who happened to be playing the Lakers. Now, during this season, believe it or not, for those of you who might be you know, in your 30s or 20s, the Kings were actually good. They're actually really, really good. One of the best teams in the West. They had guys like Peja Stoyakovich and Vlade Divac and Chris Weber and Jason Williams. You can go back to them and they had great, great epic battles. It was fun. It was one of the first run and shoot teams to be able to watch. So we were gifted these tickets, 
by one of the trainers of the kings who was attending our church at the time. And so we went to, uh, to, 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 to do our seats, and there were really good seats down in the lower bowl area, and uh, it came with these stickers of all things. The stickers, we just said, just put this on your chest, and when you get hungry, just make your way down to the court, and they'll show you where you can go get food. I was like, Wow. Now you're talking. These are my kind of tickets. And so halftime, you know, I was like, well, let's go get some food. So we make our way down and security says, stop. Oh, I'm sorry. You, you can come through. I'm like, yes, I can. You know, and, and they made us like, come on, Carolina. Let's just see how far this thing takes us. So we get down to the court. We go around and they say, no, no, sir, you guys are supposed to go this way. I'm like, oh, here we go. We're going to get back, kicked out, back to our seats. No, we have to go through the player's entrance. So into the tunnel where they come out. I'm like, okay, this is getting cool. And so we went back, you know, to where the players come out. We turned right twice. And then we made our way, ushered our way into a room. And in the room was every kind of uh, food, you know, that you could have at, you know, an arena and every kind of drink that you could ever want at the arena. And so there's other people that are there as well. And so we grabbed our stuff and we kind of sat down. It didn't take long to realize that this was for the only player, family, and friends section. You know, we're able to do that. So I'm sitting there talking to a relative of Chris Weber, and I'm talking to Paige Stoyakovich's mom, you know, which was interesting because she didn't speak a lot of English, and so it wasn't a long conversation, but it was, it was epic, you know? And so we had, a, we had a great time, you know, being back there, and then I went back to my seats, but I, sa- I was sitting there, and I leaned over to Carolina, and I said, who are we to be in this room? Then it dawned on me, the only reason I'm in this room has nothing to do with me. See, it had to do with the guy who's the trainer. It had to do with my relationship with the trainer that gave me access behind the scenes into this incredibly special and unique environment that not everybody gets a chance to get into. In the same way, the good news of Jesus is that when you receive him, you have access to the Father. You have direct access, not because of anything you and I have done. In fact, based on what you and I have done, it should actually uh, preclude us or exclude us from being able to access the Father. But because of our connection to him, not by us, but because we're saying, I'm with Jesus, Jesus says, you can now enter into the throne room of God. And not only that, we learn, you don't have to call him God, you actually get to call him Father now because you're part of the family of God and you get to go into the Father's presence because of who Jesus is. That's amazing. And that's good news to know that access to the Father grants us an opportunity this Christmas season to ask the Father anything. What do you want for Christmas? And we get to ask that of God. That's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. In fact, Jesus already taught about this in Matthew chapter six. You see, we are taking apart one sermon Jesus spoke one sermon in Matthew chapters five, six, and seven, and we've been going kind of bit by bit. So you need to understand this is given at one time, you know, uh, in Israel. And in chapter six, you know, he says, here is what you should pray for. Here's how you should pray. And here's what you should pray for when you have access to the father. And you know these words for he says, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts or sins as we also forget our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. See, Jesus is teaching them, hey, you know what? When you go to the Father, because now you are gonna have access to the Father because of me, don't just start with you. 
Don't start with your needs. Don't, don't just start with the whole world surrounding your desires or outlook in life. Start with God. You know, he's not saying pray this prayer every time. He says, pray like this. He says, start, start with God. And then he says, don't start with your will or your desires for the day. Say, God, what is your will? What are your plans? What are your kingdom can be coming to earth through me as I seek your will? And, and then also ask him for forgiveness, reminding that you're also to forgive others and to get through life, to say, you know, I'm gonna face temptations and I've got an evil one that's gonna try to distract me or get me off my game, but I need your help. And how, do we, how can we get a chance to do this? Because of what Jesus has done. And so we pick up again now in chapter seven and Jesus continues with this idea of going to the father for he says in verse seven, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds and to everyone who knocks the door will be opened. Are we supposed to come to him just once? Just to throw up a, Hail Mary kind of prayer? No, he says over and over. Ever have a kid come to you and ask the same thing over and over again? Gets annoying sometimes, doesn't it? But it's also effective. It's important more for the relationship than it is anything else. See, young Solomon knew that he needed wisdom in order to fulfill the purpose in which God had given him, which was to govern the kingdom of Israel. How much more so do we need God's wisdom, his understanding, his purpose, his will, and his direction, which is why we must keep on asking the Father, keep on seeking his will, and keep on knocking on the door of opportunities that may lead to greater kingdom impact. So let me be absolutely clear. As part of God's family that gives us access and connection to him, Jesus is encouraging us during this Christmas season to keep on asking the Father. Have you ever been around a child... Um, who refuses to ask for help, even when they're struggling. I ever had a child who's been in a classroom or been in a situation where you can obviously see that the child is struggling, but they don't want and they refuse help. I have one of those children in my household. She, I don't know how else to do it. So uh, <laughs> I watch her, you know, as she's dealing with something and she's trying to get her way through it. And I can see the frustration building. And so I walk over and I was like, Angelie, Angelie, I can help you. Daddy is here to help you. All you need to do is ask. She'll look at me oftentimes, more often than not. And she says, no, I want to do it. I can figure it out. And she struggles some more. And I'm just standing there and I'm waiting and I'm pleading. Sometimes she gets to the point of tears because of her frustration. And now I'm almost angry at her. And I'm like, let me help you. This is part of the reason that I'm in your life is to help you, but I can't help you because you're being so stubborn or prideful or resistant and I'm right here. And then God smacks me in the face. <laughs> Says, that's what you do to me sometimes. How often are you and I stressed? We're anxious, we're frustrated, and we're so stinking self-reliant that we're gonna figure this out on our own. So we try, based on our understanding, we Google it, we YouTube videos about it. If we get frustrated, we might even call somebody else that may have expertise on it. None of those things are bad, but we don't go to the Father who's looking at us and saying, I'm right here. I'm your dad. I'm not gonna help, not to the level that I want to, 
unless you release this to me, unless you ask me for help, do we need to let go of some pride during this Christmas season? Do we need to let go of some of our stubbornness to say, God, here's where I'm at. Father, or as we talked about a few weeks ago, daddy, or said that in a prayer, I need your help. How excited is God the Father going to be like, yes, thank you for allowing me to be a part of your life in that way. See, Jesus says, tells us a similar story. Actually, in Luke chapter 18, there's this widow. And in Jesus' day, uh, women did not have a lot of rights or opportunity to uh, uh, take care of themselves. And so if you became a widow and you didn't have a male to provide for you, you were really in a hard situation just to get through life. So this widow goes to what Jesus describes as an unjust judge. An unjust judge who doesn't care about God, doesn't care about other people. And the widow comes pleading her case, saying, give me justice for whatever circumstance that she's going through. And the judge says, no, says no, says no. She keeps coming though. She keeps asking, she keeps coming, she keeps asking, she keeps coming. Finally, he's like, you know what? I'm gonna grant her justice. I don't care about God. I don't care about other people, but I am sick and tired of this woman coming to me. So I'm gonna grant her some justice. Jesus says this in verse six. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the son of man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Faith is to put our trust in, to say, I'm gonna come to you over and over and over and I'm gonna trust that you know what's right and that you're just and that you're going to do the right thing. How often do we go to God? So what are you wanting during this Christmas season and beyond? What are you wanting or needing to ask God for that you haven't gone to him yet? You throw up a Hail Mary maybe, but you haven't gone to him fervently, intently, regularly. You know, some of you might be asking, well, what? I don't even know what to ask for. When I was in uh, middle school, in high school, I learned that lesson from Solomon that was reiterated to me in James chapter one, verse five and six. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, ask, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. See, I can't tell you how many times I asked for wisdom each and every day. I'm like, God, I don't know what to do today. I'm in middle school. I don't know what to do today. I'm in high school. I don't know what to do today. I'm in college. I don't know what to do today. I'm a new parent. I don't know what to do today. I've got multiple kids. I don't know what to do today. I've got mortgage and responsibilities. I don't know what to do. God will grant us wisdom when we ask him. And when we trust that the Father would give us godly wisdom that would guide us in life. Then James reminds us also, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. There's nothing wrong with having pleasure, but if the only focus is on me and my world, God says, no, 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 no. You're part of my family now. Remember, I've already taught you what to pray for, Matthew 6. Now I'm trying to teach you the frequency and fervency of that prayer. I wonder if you've ever wondered, what is the best gift you could ask God for? The absolute best. It's fascinating, those of you guys who study the Bible, in Matthew and in Luke, this exact same story of asking, seeking, and knocking is in Scripture. Yet there's one little difference that Luke changes that I think 
can give us an, an indication of what may be the most important and best gift to ask for. In Luke chapter 11, verse 13, Jesus says these words, that's a little bit different than Matthew. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? See, the Holy Spirit is God in us. God in us, helping us, guiding us, shaping us. The Holy Spirit is a comforter, a counselor. It's to intercede on behalf of us when we pray. The Holy Spirit gives us access to God's kingdom here on earth, but carries us into the next you know, a place called heaven for all eternity. What a better gift that we could receive this Christmas season than to ask God for the gift of salvation, the gift of his son, which is what he's willing to offer to anyone who would ask. But then it got me thinking, these are all true. This is a true promise of God. <laughs> why don't we ask more? All right, why, don't, why don't we go to God more? In addition to maybe selfish motives or it's just all about us, uh, I can be honest because I've talked to enough of you and I've seen it reflected in my life at times. One of the reasons that we don't ask God more is we've been let down when we have asked God. At least we think we have. Uh, you may have gone through a financial difficulty and you prayed to God and asked for help and you lost your job. You're going through a relational tension or stress and you ask God to help and you got divorced. You prayed for a disease to be healed and you asked God for a healing and the person passed away. And it creates hesitation in us to be able to say, okay, I asked last time and it didn't turn out the way that I thought it should turn out. I don't understand. And you and I would be right if God's kingdom was only about this earth. But if God's kingdom really carries into the next life, could there be a greater reason, a greater perspective that we as his children won't ever understand on this side of eternity? Here's what I mean. Have you ever tried to convince a three-year-old of what you're trying to do? And the three-year-old doesn't understand and they're getting angry and they're getting upset and they're crying, they're experiencing pain, they're experiencing what they think they should be warranted or justified or rationalized and nothing that you say, nothing that you do is gonna calm that three-year-old down. It's gonna help them understand. You just hope one day when they grow up and have their own three-year-olds that they'll have the same experience and then you'll finally say, this is what I went through with you. Could it be? as God's children and him as our father, that there are some instances that we will only have a three-year-old perspective on the side of eternity. That we choose to have faith and trust God in the midst of what we don't understand, but it doesn't stop us from continuing to ask, to seek, or to knock, because we know and we trust that he loves us, even if we don't understand some of the things and the circumstances around us. That's where faith comes in. So he encourages us to keep on asking. But secondly, you notice he says, keep on seeking. Well, what are we supposed to be seeking? Well, if you go back to Matthew 6, we're supposed to be seeking God's will. So if you seek, see, it's one thing to ask. It's another thing to actually look around. It's one thing to come on church on Sunday and during communion to pray to God. It's another thing to go outside of church on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday, and actually seek what God is doing in your life and those around you. It's much easier to come in here. It's much more difficult outside these walls. I mean, think about, you know, the wise men, right? They saw this star in the east and they said, that's a great star in the east. We've never seen it before. That's amazing. What a great star in the east. No, they chose to follow the star, right? 
They sought God's will and it led him to where the child was. In Matthew 6, 20, 33, it says it this way, this way, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. Seek God's kingdom. Uh, one of the things that helped me early on in life, and I know it got over-marketed, you know, uh, which, which kind of became, you know, uh, something that were kind of faded away, but it was four little letters that really helped guide me in middle school, high school, and even in college. And it was WWJD. It was just simply, what would Jesus do? And what it allowed me to do is in real life, by asking that question, Jesus, what would you do? What would you have me do in this situation? All of a sudden things became clear as I sought God's will in my life. See, most of us, when we go to God and we ask him, we've already made up our plans and we ask him to bless our plans. You ever notice that? Hey God, I got this job lined up. I need the job. Hey God, I'm in this deep relationship already. I need you to bless the relationship. You know, God, I have these kids and they're half grown. I need you to help guide me. What if we came to God first? God, I'm looking for a job. Where would you like me to look? God, I'm open to a relationship. What is your will in this relationship? God, I have some kids and I'm beginning. They're not mine. They're yours. Let me be a good steward of them as they grow. See the difference in the prayers? More often than not, we've already decided what we want. We're looking for God's blessing. God says, seek my will. Ask, keep on asking. But daily, regularly, are you seeking my will for your life? Lastly, he says, keep on knocking. Knocking on the doors of opportunity. See, it's opportunities to be used by God. See, one, there's one thing to ask and to be able to see, and there's another thing to seek. And when you seek, all of a sudden, what if God reveals? Like, okay, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to go. Here's how I want you to lead your life. Here's how I want you to respond to that person who irritates the crud out of you. Here's what I want you to do. It's a whole other thing to actually knock on the door. You notice that when you go to the door of somebody's house, you never just knock once. That's weird. You know, you don't just go, just go. You don't do that. You knock a few times, right? You're a couple of times, at least two, if not three. You know, you're like, okay, I'm gonna knock at the door. But for you to do that, you have to actually put something in motion. You actually have to move towards something. Guys, there's some doors of opportunity for some of you during this Christmas season that God is wanting you to knock on. He's wanting you to take those steps of faith to make your Christmas season completely different than it's ever been before. And he's revealed that to you but you're going to have to have the courage to knock on that door and to see if it truly does open. One of those ways, and we've already mentioned it, is many of you have friends and people in your life who have no interest in God, no interest in church whatsoever. And it's very easy to stop knocking on that door, on the door of that heart. And yet God says, don't give up. Don't stop. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking because someone did that for you and he's hoping that we would do the same for those around us. So we're encouraged to keep asking, seeking, and knocking, but all of this comes with a promise. And this is what we can hold on to today. As being part of God's kingdom, part of his family, the father always meets the needs of his children. Maybe not all the wants, in the same way that God doesn't meet the wants of your kids or the kids in our lives, which would not be good for them anyway. He does meet the needs and he knows what's best. Matthew 7, 8, for everyone who asks, 
receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. If you've ever wondered, why, why isn't God working in my life? Could it be that just like a good father, he is just waiting for you to stop the hecticness of your life in the season, to look to him to ask, to look around and not just look at your own family and the traditions and the things that go on this Christmas season, but to seek his will. And then lastly, to see those doors of opportunity and to walk up and knock on them and see what he would have you be a part of. It's a whole different way to live. But Jesus says it's the best way because he actually does want the best for us and he wants the best from us. Now the question becomes, what will you choose? One challenge might be, can you commit every day from now until Christmas, just a couple weeks, to ask, to seek, and to knock? Try it. See what happens in your life, in your family, if you make this part of your tradition and in the lives of those around you. And you might look back Christmas time and be like, man, that was different. That was better because I asked, I, I sought him and I knocked at the opportunities and look what he did in our lives and the lives of those around us. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for today, for the opportunity that we have to ask, to seek and to knock. Help us, Father, just to know what we should be asking for. You are right here, right now, Lord. What do we want for Christmas? I pray that you would just guide that prayer. It'd help us to answer it well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.